0: Rise. Rise. Us. Rise. Welcome to Advancing the Art of Aging. I'm Carol Silver Elliott, President and CEO of the Jewish Home Family, a continuum of services for older adults located in Northern Bergen County, New Jersey. I am absolutely delighted today to have as our guest Katie Smith-Sloan. Katie is a president and CEO of Leading Age, an association that represents mission based and value focused senior services providers across the country. And she's going to tell us a little bit more about that. But first, I want to say welcome, Katie. We're so glad you're here today. Thank you,
1: Carol. It's great to be with you.
0: So I always like to start out, especially when we have a new guest, so that's a hint that you could end up being a repeat guest, whether you like it or not. But um, just start out by, if you would, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and and then a little bit about your trajectory to working in the world of older adult services. Um Absolutely. Well, you know, I started
1: um, my career right out of college working in the United States Senate. And um, I was so excited to be, you know, what I thought was a seat of power. And um, I'll have to say it was a fantastic learning experience. The senator that I worked for was chair of the aging subcommittee. And I had the good fortune of helping out the staff involved with putting on hearings um, particularly on the Older Americans Act, appropriations at that time, and was able to witness testimony from older adults um, who were saying that they had to choose between food and medicine and rent. And um, it just, it pulled at my heartstrings mm-hmm. and made me realize that we as a country could do so much better for our older adults. Um, and I guess that's where I got the bug. and for the rest of my career, I stayed in the Senate for a few years and then um, moved moved on. I worked at AARP for a number of years um, and then was really drawn to leading age because I, I I was drawn to the mission. I was drawn to the mission of the members. I was drawn to the mission of the organization, um, the deep desire to do what's right for the right reasons, um, and I never looked back.
0: You know, it's it's a a lovely way to sort of, lead us into the conversation about what the organization is and what it does. Now, when you started, probably wasn't even called Leading Age, was it? No, it was called ASA, ASA,
1: American Association of Homes and Services for the Aging.
0: And how long ago did that transition to Leading Age take place? That
1: took place about 12 years ago. And it was really came with a realization that we were about so much more than buildings and services, that we were really about people, and we were about um, making the U.S. Uh, a better place to grow old. Um, so we had a purpose that transcended the day-to-day services that our members provided, and we wanted to reintroduce ourselves to the world um, with that in mind. So ASHA, Homes and Services for the Aging, became leading age, and I think it has served us well. Um, I think one of the things that leading age, and it makes us somewhat unique among associations, is that we have just as much focus on the sort of block and tackling of the day-to-day regulatory and policy environment and operational environment as we do looking out over the horizon and trying to imagine what um, kind of systemic and transformational changes we need in order to be prepared as a, as a country uh, for a population that's rapidly aging.
0: Well said. I think when we, when we talk about leading age, we are certainly talking about the on-the-ground assistance with policy, with education, with resources, but at the same time and equally important is that aspect of thought leadership and trying to help not just our members but the field as a whole to have a vision for what that future is going to look like. Exactly. Exactly. And there's so there's so many opportunities
1: out there. There's, we have many, many needs, um, and we're pleased to you know have just have the opportunity to think about solutions, innovations, and the direction that we should be heading.
0: It might be helpful to the people who are listening to us if you just talked about some of the programmatic areas that Leading Age is involved in. You know, you you mentioned public policy and some of the strategic things, but there are so many. Nuances to that, and so many elements that I think might be helpful. If you wouldn't mind describing them a little bit, sure. You know, one
1: of the, the strengths of Leading Age is the diversity of our members. Um, so, our membership spans uh, those who provide nursing home services, hospice, home health, home care, assisted living, affordable housing, PACE, Adult Day. Got lots of members who provide wheel, meals on wheels, transportation services. Um, so we really do span the continuum, or sometimes we like to call it the constellation mm-hmm. of services and supports for people, which means that our advocacy, our education, our research agenda are really, really broad. Um, so we're working on um, reimbursement for adult day programs, and we're working on Telehealth uh, standards and we 're working on uh, funding for affordable housing and how do you create um, how do you create a, a structure in which housing comes with services and recognizes housing as a platform for health care um, so and then of course the nursing nursing home regulatory issues seem to consume so much of our time because we have such a broken system um, so we're we are spread very thin. Um, but, um, you know, I'd like to say we're a mile, a mile. We are certainly a mile wide and hopefully a mile deep as well.
0: Yeah. Your team. And that's
1: just on the policy front.
0: Right. right. Small, but mighty. Small, but mighty. Yeah. So you're, you're referencing policy, Katie. And, I would imagine people are wondering how do you as an association located in DC which we just described as small but mighty how do you make sure that both members are represented in terms of of their viewpoints but also how do you make action happen yeah. Um well as you know be,
1: um you know Washington is a pretty toxic environment right now um, and has been for the last several years. So we um, we really advocate based on the integrity of the issues, the integrity of um, our positions on issues, the evidence that we have from our Applied Research Institute on what actually works. Uh, we've invested a lot as an organization in the last several years in our grassroots function, and we are doing, we send out action alerts to our members as frequently as we need to, asking them to pick up the phone, call their member of Congress, write a letter, send an email, uh, because it's so important that members amplify our voice on Capitol Hill. And um, I have to say, you know, we we ask and they deliver. Uh, We get great participation by our members who are able to do what we can't do, which is to tell their very real stories about life on the ground and how policy impacts um, their day-to-day operations and their ability to provide quality service and support to the residents and clients they serve um, so it's really the strength of our ideas it's the power of our position and it's the you know it's the incredibly uh, important voice of our members that makes a difference we don't have a pack um, we really rely on our members and um, and our reputation to advance our agenda in Washington,
0: which is amazing, but it also is incredibly effective, so that's a beautiful thing. How about the research function? I know there's some amazing things happening in research. Do you want to comment on that?
1: i'd love to you know leading age made the decision about uh, twenty years ago to um Invest in an applied research function for the sole purpose of bridging policy and practice. So, we have a team of researchers here at Leading Age who are doing research in, on some very practical issues. That when we have those findings, we can take them to Congress and say, This is what works, or This is what we know about this issue. We can take them to our members and say, Here's evidence about an intervention or a program um, that. If you uh, take advantage of this, uh, we know that it works. Um, About four years ago, we joined forces with um, UMass Boston's Institute of Gerontology, uh, knowing that on our own, we could never grow to the capacity we needed to. There's such a need for the kind of research that we do. But joining forces and partnering, we could do so much more, and it's been an absolute gift um, to see these two teams of researchers working together on issues like nursing home quality, um, on workforce, on intergenerational programming, on on financing long-term care, um, on on housing, and housing, affordable housing, and housing with services. Um, So we are both opportunistic um, in terms of where the funding is, but we're also very strategic in terms of where we think, through our research, we can actually make a difference. Um, And I'm really proud of our research research team and um, the kinds of results that they've been able to glean through our research. Um, And I, you know, I think it's just the sky's the limit. Um, So it's, it's really been, it it also is something that makes leading age fairly unique Um, and that that's wonderful as well.
0: Yeah. As you should be proud. It, It is an incredible thing, not just in terms of service to the members, but really in advancing the field, which is, and a powerful, powerful achievement. Um, I also wanted to ask you about leadership. You know, there's a lot of conversation about the aging population exploding um, just from sheer volume because of the demographics, and the question of who is going to care for those elders and who's going to lead that effort. And I know leading age has been very involved in, Leadership activities as well. Maybe you could describe those for us. We have a very
1: successful leadership academy um, that we started over about, over a dozen years ago, and it started with the understanding that we needed to create the future the future leaders in our field. Um, they weren't going to come from the outside necessarily, but we had a real opportunity and, to some extent, an obligation. Uh, to build leadership skills within our field. So every year we have upwards of 40, 44 uh, fellows that go through a year-long program of leadership development, exploration, personal exploration, learn a lot about our field, learn a lot from each other. And um, we now have over 600 fellows who have graduated um, from the program and are now most of them still working in our field, many of them now CEOs, In our field, so we've actually happily we've uh, reached the objective that we set out when we um, developed this program. We also just started a program that's going on right now for people who are brand new in their CEO role in our field. So it's sort of a peer networking group, but it's also a a you know how do you how do you get your feet on the ground and and lead as a new CEO in our field. So. Um, we're constantly looking for new and better ways um, of connecting leaders to one another and also helping to build leadership skills. It's a huge focus for us. And I think it's really actually been quite successful um, going forward. I mean, just to your point, workforce in our field, whether it's the C-suite or those who work at the bedside is absolutely critical to our success. And um, so we've, Invested in 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 the C-suite through this leadership program, we're we're actually having a roundtable discussion in in August on nurse management because that's a key aspect of leadership as well, but a much more specific set of skills. Um, So we continue to look for ways that we can actually make a difference in building um, skills and uh, leadership within our field.
0: That's great. You know, I, I guess I would be remiss if I didn't ask a question focused on the events of the last 18 months, which feels perhaps to some of us like the last 18 years, but 18 months, and how COVID has impacted, of course, the, the elder care settings, all settings, um, as well as the rest of the world. Um, can you just talk a little bit about how leading age – Played a role in trying to assist senior services providers throughout the tough days of COVID. Well, just like you
1: all <laughs> and every one of the leading age members, we had to pivot very quickly, um, and we did that. And we started um, a, you know, all hands on deck. Um, daily conversations among staff, what's the latest, what's going on, what's the latest guidance from CDC, from CMS, um, and started daily phone calls, or member calls, where members would call in. We had over 1,000 people who registered for those calls, and we would um, provide information about what was going on from a federal perspective on uh, any one of a number of things, whether it was the virus itself or vaccines or guidance from CDC. Um, we also began shortly after that to in, invite outside guests to be on that call. So whether it was Dr. Ashish Jha from Brown University, or whether it was somebody high official at CDC, or a member talking about how they were coping with um, with the virus in their in their community, uh, we felt like it was our job to keep members as up to date on everything that was going on from a policy perspective as we possibly could, and the, and the and a phone was the best way to doing that. We also started uh, daily um, newsletters that went out to members every single morning with um, up-to-date information. I also say we have 38 state execs, um, state partners, and uh, leading-age associations at the state level, and they, um, the, the state execs and leading-age staff worked together and were on the phone with each other every single day sharing what we were hearing, what we needed to do about it. Uh, Could we issue joint statements? Is there something we should be doing? And um, it was not unlike what you were doing in your organizations. We weren't dealing with the bedside. We were dealing with policymakers. But our job was communicate, 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 and be as transparent as we possibly could be about what's going on. And, um, you know, we're now doing the phone calls twice a week instead of every single day. Um, But I think that's a good thing. That's a, a testament to where we are now with with um, the virus, but um, we certainly did have to pivot very quickly as a staff, and I'm really proud of what we were able to do.
0: Absolutely. It has been an incredibly grueling time for all of us, including your team, but I I do know from both personal experience and talking to colleagues that those at the beginning daily calls seven days a week to continuing to the couple of times a week now, it made a difference for people. There were times when... Information just wasn't there, and we would all be logged onto those calls, onto those webinars, like our lifeline. Not only for the for the information from the various professionals, but also for the sense of support that you got just from knowing you weren't the only people dealing with this crisis. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, hugely I think that important. was
1: so key. Yeah, absolutely. So key. But I've heard from a number of members that we were we were a lifeline because we were that sort of, of information that they needed to absolutely. do their job.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um Katie, I we have time for one last question. So I'm gonna ask you the last question, which is what do you see in the future for leading age? What do you see in in your crystal ball? Well, I
1: you know, I see a tremendous opportunity here. I mean, sadly, COVID, I think, has um, has shined a light on aging and, and all of the flaws in the system that we have, such, such, such as it is. Um, and I think it's caused policymakers and others to really think about how we, uh, the systems and services that we have for older adults in this country. And so we see a great opportunity to influence that thinking. Um, to build a better system, to iron out the flaws, to figure out a better way to pay for long-term care, to figure out a better way to integrate services so it's, we're not so fragmented and so confusing for consumers and families, um, to figure out how to, use, how, how to leverage technology in a way um, that adds efficiency to our organization and, and helps us improve quality. Uh, care so I just I see just opportunity in front of us and I am uh, you know we're determined to be at the table part of those conversations if not leading those conversations um, because this is our chance this is our day
0: absolutely it is thank you so much for being with us today I, I know we have many more things we could talk about but I hope that you'll come back and be a guest another time on our podcast thank you we really appreciate you thank answers. you Carol All of the children rise, elders with wisdom rise, ancestors surround us rise.